So I just want to urge you this morning, for those of you that might have grown up without that kind of loving, supportive, caring father, I want you to know uh, that you have a Heavenly Father who loves you. A Heavenly Father who longs uh, to be that Father for you. And I urge you this morning to lean into Him, to fall on Him. And dads, I want to urge you this morning, even as I celebrate you and uh, many of you have, have, have wished me a happy Father's Day this morning, I just want to remind you of the incredible responsibility that you have to lead and love well in your home. The Bible has prescribed to men the responsibility to love their wives and love their children, to wash your wife in the Word of God, sanctifying her that way. Men, I want to remind you, your wives should be better women because they're married to you. And if they're not, it's not their fault. Just a reminder. Guys, we have responsibilities. Okay, hopefully, well, I didn't even tell you, we're going to be in Mark chapter 12 this morning. Mark chapter 12. Um, as you're turning, just a few things to keep in mind. We do have a Next Steps class coming up next week. If you've been visiting with us for a week or a month or a year or a day, we would, enjoy, we would love to have you a part of that. Uh, next Sunday afternoon, we'll meet right over here in the classroom behind that wall, the, the conference room. So I would uh, welcome you there next Sunday evening. We also have a church-wide fellowship. So if you'll come to uh, Next Steps class afterward, somebody will feed you ice cream. So that's the kind of cool part. Uh, it's the only time you'll ever get this. If you do Next Steps at any other time during the year, you don't get a treat. But if you do it this time, right, this is a limited time offer. And if you come this time, they will give you ice cream. Uh, next Sunday night, we do have uh, church-wide fellowship. We're just asking you to bring uh, ice cream. And, and a snack, and, and we'll all have a good time. I, I'll tell you next Sunday the kinds of ice cream that I like, just so if anybody wants to do anything, just so you're aware, coffee ice cream is always a good option. Anything with peanuts is always a good option. And Oreo ice cream is always worth falling back on if everything else fails. We good? Kevin, is there anything you need? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Y'all stand with me in honor of God's word. Let's get to the good stuff. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 13. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And they marveled at him. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that we would give you all the things that are worthy of you. Father God, that we would render unto the Lord all the things that you've called of us. Father, that we would be known by our faithfulness and fidelity to you above all else. Father, I do pray for the men in this room, God. Some who are biological fathers, God. Others who have fathered in many other ways. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them. Call us up, Father God, to a different plane of existence, Father. To a place of commitment to you, Lord. Lord, may we be models in this church for others to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Listen, this is one of those uh, passages of Scripture, another one where Jesus is, uh, is, is really being targeted by the religious leaders. 
they, they gather around him uh, and, and, and they begin to test him. Have you ever been in a situation, this is one of our life group questions for next week, have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you were, trying, you were being trapped? Uh, maybe you've been in a situation with a non-believer as you were trying to share the gospel and, and it really seemed as though they were working to try and work around to a question that you couldn't get to a good answer. Um, multiple times in the gospels we see people trying to trap Jesus. Jesus' go-to response over and over and over again is to respond with questions. Folks, that should trigger something in us. Jesus doesn't stomp his foot and scream and yell. Oftentimes, Jesus responds a lot more calm and laid back. He's not like we are. Somebody challenges me, I like to challenge back. All of, let me back up. Most of you are that way. Not all of you are that way. Some of you aren't. Some of you need to be encouraged to stand up. But here in this place, we have Jesus being approached by the religious leaders and saying, Jesus, why don't you tell us what you really believe? Folks, I want to ask you this morning, who gets what in your life? Who gets what in your life? If you were to view your life as a last will and testament, who gets it all? I hope some of you have created a will, and if you haven't, I hope you will soon. I want to admit to you that Angela and I didn't until we had to leave, for, well, we didn't have to leave until we both left the country together last year, and even though we had known up to that point we should have done something, we had been irresponsible, so there's the truth, we had been, but knowing that we were both going to leave the country, we knew that we needed to do something, and so we sat down with a lawyer, and we had a last will and testament drawn up, with, uh, as long as all sorts of other things, because Angela works in hospice, and she wants me to make sure that I'm ready to die and make all those right decisions um, because she thinks about that stuff. And I, I like to believe I'm never going to have to worry about it, right? I, I, I really just don't like to deal with it. Uh, it seems like a waste, but it's so important. And it's especially important for us because we have these four children. If something were to happen to us, we want to make sure that our wishes are carried out for them. We want them to, to be raised up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And so we have uh, some, some decisions that we need to make about how all those things are going to take place. Who gets What? Wyatt, congratulations, son, you get it all. One day. Not a whole lot there. But who gets what in your life? Have you been willing to give to the Lord the things that he has called for? Ultimately, or essentially, Jesus is cornered by these folks and they're trying to test him. Now, let me kind of paint the picture for you a little bit. He's, he's cornered by these folks and they say, Jesus, why don't you tell us who gets what? Now, we don't pick this up at a cursory reading of this passage of Scripture because we don't understand the context. So let me paint this in a 21st century context. These religious leaders, they get Jesus in a corner and they get a crowd together and more than likely they've gathered a few different people from a few different uh, regions and, and, and ways of thinking. So you got the zealots uh, who believe that Rome should be overthrown and didn't deserve a dime. And then, of course, you've got the religious leaders who have got their hands in, in, in or they're in lockstep with Rome and they're getting paid from this. Um, so they've got some different opinions about how everything should go down. If you can imagine, this is like somebody cornering you with a group of Tea Party Republicans on one side and super left-leaning Democrats on the other side. And they say, tell me, do you believe that taxes should go to the government? And you know that it doesn't matter what you say, you're fixing to get lynched right there on the spot. That's what's happening. You've got the zealots here who say that Rome should be overthrown, and then you've got the more moderate folks on the other side who are saying, listen, it doesn't necessarily mean that Rome should be overthrown. And then you've got the really far uh, left-leaning folks who go, hey, Rome's really good for us. 
Jesus? To whom should we pay? How should we orient ourselves? And of course, Jesus refuses to be caught in their trap. Folks, what do we do in these moments? What do we take from this passage of Scripture? Folks, the first thing I want to make sure that we understand is we have a responsibility to show proper respect to the governing authorities. I believe that Jesus teaches that in this passage of Scripture this morning. We are to show proper respect to governing authorities. Now, the zealot problem was that they created a false dichotomy. And this is essentially what's happened right here. These folks have come to Jesus and they created a false dichotomy. They said, Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar or should we honor God with our lives? Well, Jesus says we don't have to choose to do one or the other. We can actually respect the governing authorities and we can honor God with our lives. Folks, beware of people that try to trap you in either or statements that are not true, right? So, um, do you believe science or do you believe in God? Well, the answer is both. That's not an either or kind of thing. And in in our world today, um, you know, we see this in the abortion debate a lot. You either either affirm abortion or you hate women, right? Well, I I think that probably in this context, the vast majority of the people in this building would agree that abortion is wrong and horrible and sinful and evil. But I I think the vast majority of the people in this, this congregation would also say that we love and support women at the same time. We don't have to choose one or the other. These folks are are cornering Jesus. They're putting a microphone in his face. They're saying, tell us right now, do you serve Caesar or should we serve the Lord? And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Folks, contrary to what some believe, government is not from the devil. Right? Government is not from the devil. We've seen this in our own local context in the past. We got, I didn't realize this until just I, I was out of town for part of the week. And uh, apparently here in our own local community, we've had all sorts of uproar about taxes. And it's exciting to look at it. Man, I got on Facebook the other day and I couldn't believe. I didn't see any of y'all, but I, I block all y'all's names so I cannot see if y'all are posting ugly things on Facebook. I actually don't block those things, so please don't post ugly things on Facebook because you put me in a moral conundrum, Right? Where I have to come and confront you in your sin. So for goodness sakes, don't put that mess on Facebook. Because I don't want to have that awkward conversation with you. You hear me? I I don't. I don't want to have to call you up and be like, Hey, so I was just wasting time on the internet the other day and I came across this thing and you were cursing out one of our local state representatives. Would you please repent of that? Please don't do that. Please. But uh, in, in the midst of all that, I've got a friend who, who serves in local government here, and, and he was telling me that somebody had come to him and said, government, y'all are all from the devil. I said, whoa, man, that's strong. From the devil. This is what happened to Jesus. Jesus, Rome is from the devil. What do you think we should do? And Jesus says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Folks, I want you to understand that we've got a responsibility to show proper respect to governing authorities. Now, some of you are going, is this really the big part of this passage? I want you to know this isn't the main idea, but we're going to get this while we're here, okay? We're going to get to the main idea in just a minute, so hang on. But we have a responsibility to show proper respect to governing authorities. Part of that governing responsibility is a natural outworking of God's commandment to us in Genesis 1 that we to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and exercise dominion. Part of the exercise of dominion, part of practicing dominion is to, to, to build civil structures and to build government and to build bridges and roads and all those other things. 
Beyond that, in the New Testament, we see Paul pick this up in Romans chapter 13. And in Romans chapter 13, Paul says that we are to show proper respect to the governing authorities. Folks, what does that mean for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? We've got to be wary of any false dichotomy that says, should I, should I serve the Lord or should I honor my government? Folks, we've got to do both because the Bible is very plain about that. Jesus says, show me that coin whose picture's on it. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Folks, be, be wary that we don't find ourselves in such a revolutionary nature that we lose respect for the government around us. This is where some of the religious zealots, this is where the religious zealots were. Jesus refused to be caught up in these debates. Folks, we live in a polarized time. A polarized time. And in the midst of this polarization, there's this idea that we've got to choose to be on one extreme or the other. And what I want to tell you this morning is that our responsibility is to be wherever Jesus is. Wherever Jesus is. So first of all this morning, Jesus says show proper respect. Proper respect. But what does that look like? We're going to set it in the second point. Don't confuse your allegiances. Do not confuse your allegiances. We've got to show proper respect. We can't confuse this. Jesus says give to God what belongs to God and to the state what belongs to the state. I, I want us to think about Jesus' disciples, if we could, for just a moment. All right? I, I heard a pastor do this this week, and it was just right into my sermon, so I stole it. Jesus' disciples, there's 12 men. There's all sorts of different people. There's probably some white-collar guys. I've got a blue shirt on, but there's probably some white-collar guys. There's some blue-collar guys. There's, there's guys that, that, that work for a living and, and guys that push a pencil for a living. I, that's a false dichotomy again. I just did that myself, didn't I? I'm sorry, y'all know what I meant. People that work with their hands and people that work with their mind. Never mind, let's just move on. Mercy. Happy Father's Day. Some of you don't work. Good job. All right, so we got, we got but, 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 but watch what we have. We have Matthew, the tax collector, and then we have Simon, the what? The zealot. Y'all remember that guy? You remember what I just told you? Jesus is being confronted here by religious leaders who are trying to get Jesus to put his foot in one camp or the other. And essentially they're saying, you're either on the side of the zealots who are ready to overthrow the government, or you're on the side of the government, Jesus. You better choose. Folks, I want you to know that Jesus chose three years before these people ever confronted him. Jesus chose three years before these people ever confronted him that he was going to be on God's side and all those other things were going to be tertiary for him. Jesus decided that his allegiance was to the Lord and not to any governing ideology. And as a result, we've got Jesus right here with Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. Can you imagine some of those conversations? This is Tea Party Republican and left, super left Democrat. That's what we have right here. And they're all gathered around the campfire... They're all eating dinner, and Matthew says, Simon, did you pay your taxes? Simon pulls a knife says, who owes taxes to what? And Jesus is in the middle going, all right, guys, we got a bigger issue to deal with right here. Folks, we need to make sure that we don't confuse our allegiances. The, the religious leaders here are trying to get Jesus on the hook in one way, shape, form, or fashion. Jesus, if you'll just put your, your, your own ideas out there, then we can corner you into a camp. And if we can get you cornered into one camp, then what we know that we can do is we can turn the other camp against you and then we've got a shot. 
Folks, let me urge you this morning not to confuse your allegiances. Our allegiance first and foremost is to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said to give to God what belongs to God and to the state what belongs to the state. But we've got to be careful that we don't give to the state what belongs only to God. This is why patriotic services sometimes make me uncomfortable. Now, we should take time to thank the Lord for the blessings we have to live in a free country. But we should also be very wary of services that ascribe to our country glory and praise and honor that are due only to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. I am not popular for that position, and I know that. But again, there have been those who have tried to force that conversation into another one of those false dichotomies. You either love America or you hate America. No, I love this country and I praise the Lord for the privilege of living here, of gathering in this place to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and of knowing what it is to have freedom. But I abhor any idea that our flag or our nation would become an idol that would rise above the importance that we have to commit ourselves fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why we should be very careful with our political allegiances. Again this week, I heard a pastor put it this way very well. We should never allow our evangelicalism to be co-opted by any political party, but we should stay close enough to both political parties to speak prophetically into their systems. Folks, do you understand that if we're not careful, we can completely alienate 50% of the population of our community by too closely allying ourselves with any one political party. Martin Lloyd-Jones, is, is, he's dead now, he's long dead. Martin Lloyd-Jones is a, uh, a, a pastor who um, I'm grateful for his influence through the years. Um, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote one of my favorite books on preaching called Preaching and Preachers. He was a, uh, a pastor in, in, in England um, and, and, and preached... Uh, into World War II and all the way through just incredible, powerful, long-term ministry. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones was committed to the gospel, devoted to the gospel to such a degree that even through the 50s and the 60s, when communism was such a threat, especially in Europe, but here as well, when communism was such a threat, Martin Lloyd-Jones refused to preach against communism. And he was challenged about this over and over and over again. Why won't you do that? And this was Lloyd-Jones' response. He said, because communists need Jesus as much as anybody else. And if we don't invite them into our church, what hope do we have that they'll hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Folks, we can't confuse our allegiances. Our allegiance is first and foremost to Jesus and nobody else. And anybody that would desire to be first place in our life is necessarily trying to push us into a form of idolatry. Craig, do you support communism? No. Did Martin Lloyd-Jones support communism? No. But what did Martin Lloyd-Jones believe to be the hope for all mankind? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he refused to allow anything to get into the way of the proclamation of that message. Now listen, I'll still speak out against communism. But I want you to know, folks, that we've got to be careful that we don't carve for ourselves a niche that excludes people from hearing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
Don't confuse your allegiances. We owe our ultimate allegiance to the king. So Jesus said, show me this coin. Now watch this. This is pretty impressive. Jesus, Jesus is always three steps ahead of everybody he's in a conversation with. So they come to him and they say, Jesus, should we pay this tax? Now this tax was especially troubling to a Jew that loved the Lord. This was especially troubling to a Jew who was opposed um, to idolatry. Because this tax could only be paid with a particular kind of coin. The drachma coin was one of the particular coins that could be paid with. Now, um, Jews at that time were really, really angry about this kind of coin. Because on this coin was the face or or the likeness of Caesar. and, and And it says, Caesar is God essentially is what you see on there. And so even the idea of having these coins was a form of idolatry because they know that there is only one God and Father. So they come to Jesus and they say, see, Jesus, should we pay this? You want to know when this tax was instituted? It was instituted by a guy you've heard of. His name was Quirinius. Does anybody remember who Quirinius was? Quirinius was governor of Syria during the time when Jesus was born. So in Jesus' lifetime, this particular tax has been implemented on the people. The people out in Galilee didn't have to pay it because they didn't experience the the strong-handed rule of Rome. But the people inside of Jerusalem, those people were forced to pay it. Okay, And so Jesus is confronted by these folks and they say, what should we pay? Now Jesus May or may not have had any money in his pocket, but if he did, Jesus wasn't carrying a drachma because it wasn't like the United States where there's only one sort of money that gets, um, that gets printed or minted. It was very different. Um, in that ancient time, there would have been local money that was minted as well. And that local money didn't actually have the likeness of Caesar on it. So if Jesus had any money in his pocket, the only thing he had was like a copper coin that didn't have anybody's image on it. Maybe it just had uh, the amount stamped into it. So Jesus taps his pockets and he says, hey, does anybody have a coin on them? Good Jews would have never been carrying an image of Caesar anywhere, and yet Jesus says, does anybody have a coin? These people who are trying to confront Jesus, somebody's able to produce one automatically. Jesus goes, ah, caught you already. Who's the idolater now? You're trying to back me into a corner, but here you are carrying this image of idolatry. Jesus looks at him and he says, whose image is on this? They say, well, it's Caesar's. Jesus says, well, then this is Caesar's money, so give Caesar what what belongs to Caesar. But what does he not say? He doesn't say give God Give Caesar your ultimate allegiance. Folks, we owe our ultimate allegiance only to the Lord. Don't confuse that. Don't miss that. Thirdly, this morning, give to God what matters most. They looked at the coin and they saw Caesar. I'm curious. So watch. Jesus asks an important question. Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said Caesar's. Folks, when you look at yourself, what do you see? According to the book of Genesis, we've been created in God's image. According to the book of Genesis, we're created in the image of God as image bearers of the Lord. Folks, the big picture behind, the big message behind this passage of Scripture is this. Jesus looks at a coin and says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar. 
And then he says, whose are you? Whose image do you bear? If the coin bears Caesar's image, it's because it's Caesar's coin. But you bear the image of God. So what does God deserve from you? He deserves all of you and all of me. When we look at ourselves and at other human beings, we see God's image. We bear God's image. And as a result, we owe to the Lord. What? All of our love. We are to love the Lord our God with our whole strength, with our whole mind, our whole heart. We are to give Him everything. Why? Because we are His image bearers in the world. Fathers, I want to challenge you. When you think about what it looks like to give God what matters most, I want to urge you, dads, give God what matters most. Give Him your life and your children. Teach your children to give to the Lord what matters most. Dads, what is it that matters most in your life? Can I speak to you? From at least my perspective, it's what I believe and what it seems to me matters most to most men in this world. It's their time. And so, men, when we think about how it is that we give to the Lord what matters most, I want to ask you, how much of your time are you willing to give to the Lord and willing to give to your family? How much of your time are you willing to commit and to sacrifice? As image bearers of the king, how much are you willing to give. You can do much as a father, but you can do nothing more important than serve the Lord and bring your children to Jesus. Listen to me. You won't bring them to Jesus an hour a week. One hour a week won't get your kids to Jesus. Because one hour a week will teach your kids that God is worthy of one twenty-fourth of one day of one week, 47 times a year. Because you're going to miss a bunch. And folks, when you've committed yourself to loving the Lord at least one hour, one week, 47 weeks out of the year, what you've said to your children is that your favorite television show matters to you about 37 times as much as your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. The government requires certain things from you. Render unto God what is God's. What is God's? We belong to Him. And we are to surrender ourselves fully to Him. Dads, how much time is the Lord getting from your life? Men, how well are you leading your families towards the Lord? What do they see in your life, men? If you were confronted in this moment and they said, Render, who, who's, who do these belong to? If somebody comes to you and they says, who do they belong to? Teacher, we know that you're true and don't care about anyone's opinion for you're not swayed. Is it lawful for you to give your time to this or to give your time to the Lord? Is it lawful for you to invest all your time in your hobbies or to invest your time in the Lord? Is it lawful for you, for you to take your family away from God's church or to keep your family plugged into the things of the Lord? The Apostle Paul is going to say that everything's lawful, but not everything's beneficial. 
You say, Craig, you're being a legalist. So I want to crouch it in grace. I want you to know that the law allows all sorts of things because we're covered under the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But answer me this. How will our children know if we don't bring them? How will our children know if we don't teach them? How will our children know if they don't see us in a loving relationship with this Father? Give God what matters most. These people believe that as they cornered Jesus, they had, they had him right there. Give God what matters most. Well, the money is the only thing that matters. Men, let's just be honest. Your time is that which you protect the most earnestly. Much of the money that you spend on hobbies are just spent in such a way so that you can control the way that you spend your time. Right? It is. Your time is what matters. What have you given to your children? How have you rendered unto the Lord what is due His name? Look at the way they end this. They marveled at Him. They marveled at Him. So in conclusion this morning, who has you? Who has you? He says, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But the only thing that he really addressed here was two. Caesar and God. But we live in a world where there's much greater competition for our time than merely the government or the Lord. Oh, there's competition for our time from all the other things in the world, isn't there? There's competition for our time from all the other things that we might involve our children with or that we might get involved with. There's competition for our time because we don't live in a day and age where Sundays are any longer protected or when something like a Wednesday night matters or when there was an expectation that families would pray together or that there would be Bibles that would be opened and read. So who has you this morning? What has you this morning? See, the ultimate question is will you render unto the Lord what is His? Oh, mercy, I could stand in front of you for hours on end and try to identify every particular idolatrous sin that's represented in this room. And we could talk about all the different things that drag us away from the Lord and drag us away from our families. But I'm going to trust this morning in the power of the Holy Spirit to convict you in your heart and in your life of those things, those idols that are getting in the way of you giving to the Lord everything that He deserves, everything that He owes and that He owns. We serve this God who is holy, holy, holy. The Psalms teach us that He is worthy of holiness. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And folks, He is our heavenly Father. As we think about what it is that we're going to give to the Lord, it's really the wrong question. The wrong question is not what will you give. The right question is what has you? What is getting in the way of you rendering unto the Lord the things that are the Lord's? Who has you? That keeps you from giving to God all the praise and glory and honor that's due His name. 
What are the things that are getting in the way? The Bible says that religious leaders marveled at Jesus because of his answer. My prayer this morning is that you would marvel at Jesus. Because I believe that if we were to marvel at the Lord just a little bit more, we might find ourselves more easily walking away from the sins that so easily trap and entangle us. If we were to marvel at the Lord just a little bit more, we might be willing to do the things that are necessary to render unto the Lord the things of the Lord, to give Him our children, to give Him our wives, to give Him our lives. Because we might just believe that the world's lies won't ultimately fulfill. And we might actually begin to believe that the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Jesus Christ. And we may actually believe that to give our lives and our heart and our soul and our mind to Jesus is to find salvation and hope and glory in His name. We might actually begin to believe that this word is right. And that by trusting Him with our children, our children may have a chance. We might actually begin to believe that hell is real and heaven is the promised hope for all who give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We might begin to believe there's a lot more in this world for us to be concerned about than our own government, our own particular situation. We might actually just begin to believe that we serve a God who is great beyond our imagination or understanding and that He holds it all in His hands and He loves you. And He can change your life. Who has you this morning? I don't know. But I can tell you this. Jesus will take you right now. Will you come this morning and surrender to Him? Will you come this morning and give it to Him? Will you come this morning and render unto the Lord what is the Lord's? Let us pray. Father in heaven, we praise You that You are King of kings and Lord of lords. That You're above all, over all, in all, and through all. Father, I pray that You would take the... uh, God, the ramblings of this pastor. Father God, that you'd work in spite of my failures and my weaknesses this morning. That the gospel, the power of God unto salvation, Lord God, be applied to lives this morning through the working of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand this morning? And as we sing about the victory that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't know that victory, would you come today? Perhaps this morning, if you've known the Lord for some time, but you're experiencing defeat, perhaps if you've experienced this overwhelmness, perhaps if you've given 